Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Joy of Financial Planning podcast. The topics of this podcast are a complement to the book, Joy of Financial Planning, available in stores including Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. Joy of Financial Planning is about the belief that we can overcome the unique economic and life challenges we face as a generation by first getting our financial house in order. In fact, we have no other choice. Now more than ever, we must grow our wealth, follow our passions, live with compassion, and find a way to achieve a personalized version of the American dream. Just as it has been in prior generations, the ideal of the American dream is being challenged, not just because of the novel coronavirus pandemic, but because of the callous murder of a fellow black man, George Floyd, that we all got to see. The example of his abuse, and that of many others, cuts through the core of the American dreams I have believed in all of my life. I have a persistent belief that all are created equal, worthy of respect, deserving of opportunity, and the ideals of the American dream live inside all of us. I thank you for supporting dreams, your dreams, by listening to this podcast. The purpose of this content is to educate listeners and for them to inform others. This episode is part of a series of recorded Zoominars from my Jason Howell Company YouTube channel. That's where you'll find the video versions. In my business life, my wealth management firm collaborates with many experts. Together, we transform regular investors into patriarchs and matriarchs of their families and their communities. This episode features some of that expertise. Please send your feedback to jason at jasonhowell.com and give this episode a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts, if that's the kind of thing you do. For more about my unique brand of family wealth management, just go to jasonhowell.com. Now, addressing the economic cliff effect in Arlington, Virginia, with Anne Vordebrug and Christy Cole from the Arlington Community Foundation. Hello and welcome to another great episode of the Jason Howell Company Speaker Series Zoominars. If you'll give me a sec, I'm going to let some folks in. And once again, welcome everyone and thank you for joining us on our next episode of the Speaker Series Zoominars. My name is Jason Howell and as always, I'm very excited to share the network that my firm has accumulated over um, all these years in the area. Today we've got a great episode a couple of folks who've been really supportive of one of our very successful counties in the DC metropolitan area. We're gonna be discussing how we can address the economic cliff effect. What is that? We'll find out pretty soon, but first let's just meet our guests. Let's go and talk to Anne, let's talk to Christy. Let's start with Christy. Christy, how is your day today going? It's a beautiful day here in Northern Virginia. It is gorgeous. This has been a lovely, quiet day with my children in school today. Uh, and then I had a, a community uh, meeting uh, at one of our Arlington community centers and, and it was quiet there. They're not uh, it operating yet, but I got to see some, some kids involved in a, uh, a, a school program and, and some folks there getting tested and some signs of life and excited to see that we're coming back to being, being together as a community. 
And are you a warm weather person or are you like it colder? Oh, I am a warm weather person. And Excellent. I absolutely. <laughs> All right, then we're, we're on the same team. And tell us, are you warm weather as well? I'm on the warm weather team too. Yes. <laughs> three for three. And how has your day been so far? It's been great. Yeah, I really appreciate the beautiful weather that I see out the window. I, I did mow the yard early this morning, so I enjoyed the, the weather. Um, oh. And I found the time today to uh, join and listen in on a really powerful webinar. I, I, you know, often you sign up for those things, but you, your day unfolds and you never get <laughs> to it. And I was so glad I did. This one was um, with Heather McGee, who wrote The Some of Us. And it was some of us. Really, really powerful. Heather McGee, the sum of us, and, and maybe just give us a little teaser. What is the sum of us a little bit about? So it's, it's about, well, she's um, a very, very um, powerful thinker and speaker. And she is, her book, which is a bestseller, um, breaks down that myth that progress for people of color and non-white people or uh, is at the expense of wealthy white people. Um, and that that is actually a myth. And though there's so many political and economic structures and policies that have been put in place over the, the years in our country that have perpetuated that myth. And she's, she's just got a really strong message about um, that the more we lift everyone up, the better off we all are. Wow, what's her last name again? Heather McGee. McGee. I'm putting it in the chat. The sum of us. The sum of us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that concept of uh, abundance, right? There's plenty to go around. Well, what a great way to start. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anne. I was so glad I, I got to hear her. Uh, well, terrific. Terrific. And I, I want, uh, I can't wait for all of us to hear so much more of your insights, yours as well, Christy. Of course, uh, we will record this. It'll be available for folks that um, didn't get to come in live. Uh, here, but if you have questions, because you are so smart to have come in live and to speak with our guests, go right ahead and put them in the chat, and I'll get to your questions uh, probably before we end our pre-planned questions. Because my guess is, your insights, the people who are on this um, this call, this Zoom, are going to be even deeper than mine. Okay, I do a lot of lowball <laughs> softball questions, so I'm looking forward to your questions. All right, most folks are here, so I'm going to go ahead and start sharing the screen, and uh, we will start to get going here. So if you came to addressing the economic cliff effect in Arlington, Virginia, and other successful counties like Arlington, Virginia, you came to the right Zoominar. We are so very happy to have Anne and Christy. You notice I did not say Anne's last name. Anne, can you pronounce your last name for me, please? <laughs> it, it's Border Brogy, but just Anne is fine. All right. All right. I, I won't practice then. Uh, Anne and Christy from the Arlington Community Foundation. We're so very thankful to have you here. And I look forward to all the insights that you're going to share with us about this thing called the cliff effect. But before we get there, let's have a short word from our sponsor. And of course, our sponsor is the Jason Howell Company. We're a family wealth management firm located in Vienna, Virginia. I've been in the area for a very long time, uh, somewhere approaching 30 years, which is uh, very exciting. Um, the firm that we built, my business partner, Doug and I, is a firm that's really out there to cater to the regular net worth folks. We take the best of the ultra high net worth and we try to pull that through 
so that more people can take advantage of the different opportunities there are now in the very complex financial system that we are all dealing with. Um, we also have a very big spin on how to do investing socially, um, sustainably, responsibly, and also hopefully create an impact with what we're doing. That's the benefit of the clients that work with us. They're not just taking their money to make more, they're doing that and, that and making an impact in the community. For more about Jason Howell Company, just go to jasonhowell.com and try not to mess up the screen. Okay, and our guest, our first guest we'll speak about here is Christy Cole, who is obviously with the Arlington Community Foundation. We have some of her bio here. Uh, what is a philanthropic planning advisor, Christy? Can you explain that to us? Absolutely. I connect resources to important missions, Jason. My role is to work with individuals and businesses in the community to think about how they want to make a difference uh, and to help them uh, learn about the why behind their giving and what motivates and inspires them, what is connected to their values, how they'd like to, to make the world a better place, and then to get down to business on the, on the how. And that's where I work with people like you, Jason, who are advising their clients. And we come up with the strategies that make the most sense given individuals' uh, financial and estate plans. That's terrific. And yes, that's our fun. clients are interested in philanthropy. Uh, they are fortunate that the work they put in over so many years has given them the opportunity to look forward and, and say, okay, now can I do something with some of this excess? And so people like you are very important. Big reason why we have you as guests here on the Zoominar. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about Arlington Community Foundation, but can you tell us a little bit about your passion projects here, Doorways and Aspire? I think Doorways was looking for a new CEO recently. I see that from you on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, they, they were, and they hired someone absolutely Good. wonderful. And uh, I was delighted to be involved in that search. And, um, and I uh, searches uh, for executive leadership and nonprofits must follow me because I've also been working on a search uh, for Aspire after school learning. So okay. Uh, okay. I've been talking, but it's been really inspiring to meet so many impassioned uh, nonprofit leaders who've been interested in these roles in our community. Uh, but I, for me, uh, I, I have been deeply interested in and committed to uh, how we put the right supports in place to make everyone successful in our community and to address uh, with doorways, particularly the, the traumas that people experience, experience as a result of uh, domestic violence and sexual assault and family homelessness. And then quite naturally for me, uh, the work with Aspire that's uh, focused on, on literacy and closing the achievement gap for our, and opportunity gap for our students, uh, they really go uh, hand in glove in lifting people up in Arlington. Wow. So you see, you see kind of the entire sort of chain of, gosh, what can I say? Chain's probably in the wrong word, but really the different levels that we have in our community from the folks who need the resources on the very front end, who are in that accumulation phase of life, uh, to the people who are already at the tail end of that and are looking to give back. That must be, must be an interesting day to day that you've got. It's wonderful. And the joy of working for the Community Foundation is that my role is to work with individuals to lift up what's important to them in the community. So I get to see, uh, I get to see change happening in all kinds of different ways across different organizations 
in, in the community and, and even outside of Arlington. And even outside. Thank you, Christy. That's it's a great start. And your insight is going to be very much appreciated when we get to some of the Q&A. Next, of course, we have Anne. So Anne is, is not a veteran of our Zoominar the way Christy is. If you look back in the, uh, the previous videos, if you go to the YouTube channel, if you can find it, because the URL is crazy, uh, then you'll see Christy on there. We've spoken with her before and have really enjoyed the conversation with uh, the CEO of Arlington Community Foundation. But today we've got Anne, who's the Director of Grants and Initiatives, which is fascinating in and of itself. And I want to hear what that exactly does but I'm also gonna be really excited to talk about these other organizations that are passion projects for you, Anne, with your experience in Arlington. So um, let's start with your job title. Let's explain that. What is a director of grant and initiatives? Uh, what do you do? Um, well, hello, thank you for having me. Sure. The grants part is probably what most of you are most familiar with when you think about a community foundation. So we um, are an organization that um, accepts philanthropic dollars to allow people who are interested in a particular issue or need or organization to, um, we manage and invest their money and then put it out in grants to nonprofit organizations in the community that are meeting their needs. So um, that's the grant side of it. And then the initiatives part is actually um, really, a very, very important part and what I actually spend most of my time on. Um, community foundations are, are unique because we have a bird's eye view of the needs across the community. Just like you were saying, Christy has a bird's eye view along the spectrum of those most in need to those who perhaps can help. Across the Arlington, I'm able to work with such a great group of safety net nonprofits that I get to and have over the years just through my work in Arlington in other settings, gotten to know these fabulous nonprofits. And because we get to see themes of needs and we um, participate in community initiatives, the, the things you have here on the screen are, are just a sampling of um, cross-sector, public-private nonprofit initiatives in Arlington that are designed to address economic disparities and um, specific needs. And so with all of that, we are able as a convener of the, these nonprofits to lead initiatives and lead programs. And so what I'm gonna be chatting with you more about is, is one of those initiatives. Well, I, I hope for that, uh, for sure. I was actually, you know, before I created these links, I clicked on these links and Destination 2027 and Community Progress Network, organizations that I hadn't heard of before but are affecting some pretty neat change, especially as you combine them together and point them through with the Arlington Community Foundation. I'm interested in, um, in the master's degree that you got, planning and community development. It's not something that I had heard of before or ever heard anyone aspire to. Can you tell us about that education and how it prepared you to, to be such a leader in Arlington? Well, it actually is rather... Um unplanned. Okay. <laughs> and planning. Even though it's so planning. <laughs> I, 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 um, my passion uh, in college, I, I studied anthropology and psychology, and that was something I knew I wanted to do since I was a little girl. But okay. when I graduated, a degree in anthropology wasn't particularly marketable. And um, so I um, learned about this program where you can look at what makes a community work from the infrastructure, as well as, you know, a lot about housing, a lot about um, 
sort of looking at the different demographics of the community and how uh, to, to design and plan policies and structures that work. So I got that degree and then I took a sharp turn um, at a real opportunity because I um, was volunteering in DC at the dinner program for homeless women. And um, I got to know people who were homeless and I got to become more aware and um, moved by that kind of isolation and marginalization. It was during the crack years in DC in the eighties where the crack epidemic was so yeah. bad. And um, that led me to a nonprofit career in human services and um, from one wonderful organization to another. I've, I've just had wonderful experiences. And now full circle, um, the, the, the larger initiatives that I'm working on that do involve some of these structural planning policy uh, aspects uh, are very much reminding me of that master's I got so many years ago. Wow. It was not a, a direct line from A to B or Z. <laughs> So it sounds like you you got into this, you sort of just followed your heart from spot to spot, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, full circle. Yes, I, I joined the Community Foundation because I saw, knowing that the community foundations across the country were more and more joining that space of connecting dots and trying to sort of do what we call collective impact, which is you get everybody um, together, use data, look at the most critical needs in your community. You get the right people around looking at strategies and solutions. You bring the voice of the folks you're serving in, and then you work to, to sort of so-called move the needle on specific issues. So all of that was something that the Community Foundation was really ready to do. And so I just happened to uh, fortunately land there um, at just the right time. And that's I've been working on ever since. Oh, I bet. I bet they're happy to have you. Well, let's get into some of this Q&A. I know that's why a lot of folks jumped on. I hope they like our questions. Again, if you have an enhanced question you'd like to throw out there, go ahead and drop it in the chat. I will get to it. I will move from my planned question. I'll go to yours and then I'll see if we have time for the planned questions I have. But Anne, let's start with you. Uh, since you've been in Arlington for quite a while, can you describe the challenges you saw evolving over the years in a not too dissimilar way of many other counties considered wealthy that have had great success, but then there have been some issues that bubble up because of that success. Yeah, thank you. I'd, I'd love to talk about that. Um, when I first lived here, um, there was a putt-putt golf course <laughs> up in, there was no Boston Mall and there was a putt-putt golf course there. And there were lots and lots of family-owned small businesses and restaurants, mostly immigrant-owned, um, but just a real mix of people and small businesses and large businesses. And um, over the years, what I have seen is a, you know, sort of a gentrifying, for lack of a better word, um, of Arlington. And um, we've, we've lost quite a bit of our our cultural diversity and our racial and ethnic diversity. And um, we are, you know, many say, many who know much more about these patterns than I do say, we are headed to be another San Francisco. And people are using that as sort of a call to urgency. And just yesterday I was meeting with 
woman who grew up here. Her parents came here from Ecuador and the Philippines. She went to high school here, graduated, had a very successful tech career on the West Coast in the Bay Area, and has just come back. And she's shocked at the changes. Wow. And, um, she is, you know, saying and sounding the same alarms and saying, this is becoming another San Francisco, <laughs> Un- unsustainable. Unsustainable. And, and why would you just quickly say that would be unsustainable? Yeah. Um, so the affordability pressures here, I'm sure you all know, are, are just very, very uh, strong. We have the highest degree of um, what we call housing burden for low-income people in the country. So that means when you look at places around our cities and communities, the amount that people who are on the lower end of the economic spectrum have to pay toward rent is exorbitantly higher than anywhere else. We also have, if not the highest cost of childcare, one of the highest costs of childcare in the country. So we have this um, tremendous economic success. We are such a success story in terms of smart growth and development and so many things to be proud of. But what's happened is we have 28,000 people that are still, that are here in Arlington, who are living on less than $37 a year for a family of four. And the, the average median income or annual median income for a family of four in Arlington is 126,000. So the, you can see that the, the, uh, how that it's unsustainable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're building to the average and you're charging for childcare to the average and you have 37 K you're, you're two thirds underneath at least now. Good point. Um, Christy, I want to bring you into this question, but I'd like Anne to start uh, the answer of the big subject of our day, which is the cliff effect. What exactly, Anne, is the cliff effect? And then, Christy, I want you to to come in afterwards and talk a little bit about the program. Mm -hmm. So um, the cliff effect is referring to the, the phenomenon where when people are relying on public benefits, for things that are basic, important, like health, health care and food security and child care and um, in those kinds of things, housing. Um, they are held to um, these this tight rope along the, like at the top of a cliff. So if they start earning just the slightest bit more um, or get a promotion, which under normal circumstances or other circumstances would be a, a real success. Um, they then suddenly fall off the cliff or start sliding down the cliff and start losing those benefits. And so they're actually much worse off in terms of their spending power and their ability to survive, having increased their income slightly. Got it. Got it. Christy, you want to add to that a little bit? Sure. Well, what I would just uh, what what I would say about the the cliff effect is that it is um, it's a challenge that every time we talk about it, uh, people say, "I never really thought about that." <laughs> and so it's something that uh, we want to really shout from the rooftops so that people understand that this is the struggle, that just as you start to increase your income, 
you know, accept that promotion, uh, all of a sudden the ability uh, to meet basic needs, to do things for your family, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, buy a pair of soccer cleats for your child, those, those types of, of expenses become just a, a you know, an, an enormity. Um, and so uh, what we are trying to do is to lift up awareness of this and then I really want, I want Anne to talk about some of the ways that we're addressing it, um, in particular, okay. the, the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Anne, tell us about the pilot, I think, for the unconditional cash. That's, and that's part of our next question. Sure. Um, can I just, back to the sustainability issue, if I could. Oh, please. I just, um, I, want, I want to make sure folks understand that these 28,000 people in Arlington that we're talking about, they're what has suddenly become known as our essential workers during this pandemic. So they are our um, the folks that um, are construction workers, our office cleaners, house cleaners, childcare workers, health aides. Um, they work in restaurants and coffee shops. So these are the folks that are essential to our success as an economy, and yet they can't afford to live here. So that's part of that sustainability picture. So there's not only a moral mandate to address this cliff effect and address the, the disparity that they're experiencing, but also an economic mandate. And that's what Heather McGee, the woman that I was listening to earlier, uh, her case so strongly that there's an economic mandate to make sure um, we take care of everyone. And and you know, both my kiddos were born at Virginia Hospital Center and I did a little reading about some of your program. And part of this too is about nurses, you know, driving from far away um, because they have to live 40 minutes away from maybe Arlington to go work at a Virginia hospital center. Is that what you're seeing as well? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we, our friends at the hospital um, have shared that exact fact uh, that they have some very essential positions that, that are, would be available if to people if they lived in Arlington, but people end up driving all the way from Manassas because it's more affordable down 66 to get here and they pass two other hospitals along the way that are also hiring. So right. those, those essential positions are, are, are left vacant. Yeah, we could lose them. Well, there's a, there's a question about that unconditional cash program. Before we get to it, let me jump over to Ashley's question here in the chat about the dollar amount. And I know that Arlington Community Foundation has put together a fantastic video that really shows this. And Christy, if you want to put that in the chat for folks to see, go right ahead. Um, but this question speaks to a tiny piece of it. How much does a person need to make in order to get out of that weird matrix of the cliff effect? Yeah. So Ashley, hello. Um, it, it does vary by circumstances, of course. Um, we, as, as Jason just mentioned, we did um, some modeling with the help of the Urban Institute, and we modeled a scenario of a single mom with two kids who starts off with very young children, and we take her through her journey of earning more and uh, her children getting to different stages of life and with different needs, and uh, what, what that cliff looks like for her, and then her rise back out of it. In her case, it it was around $61,000 an hour before she recovered all that she had lost in her housing voucher, her 
food stamps, her Medicaid, her, um, her, uh, uh, let's see, child, did I say childcare? So it took a long time and I, what you might consider quite a high salary for her to get to the point of breaking even, but it varies by person, uh, by the cost, the, the ages of their children, their living circumstances, how many incomers are in the house and so forth. Fortunately, the graphing we did has held up to the test. The Federal Reserve has just built a big dashboard that where people can plug these things in by zip code and ours stands right up to that. So that was, was kind of very affirming. Um, it also, anyone who's worked with these families and knows them can tell you this is very real. Those that, um, that- Life effect. <laughs> yeah, well, well, give us an idea about this unconditional cash okay. program. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So the idea behind um, unconditional cash is that people, um, it's part, you know, it's become more and more of an understood concept because of the past year we've been in with the stimulus money. It started out um, as a much more um, rare uh, experiment that is the, one of the first ones in the country was started in Stockton, California. Um, and they are now just finishing and getting some great outcomes. Um, and so since we started watching what Stockton was doing back in 2016 or 2017, you know, fast forward to today and guaranteed income has, is on sort of the everyone's mind with Andrew Yang and the, um, the stimulus money and so forth. The idea is that people know um, people need portable cash um, when you're working on benefits the money is in silos. And so when you're work, living on the edge of poverty or the, on the edge of crisis, you have to manage, you know, here's my pot for foods, here's my pot for childcare, here's my pot for transportation, here's my pot for rent, and it's not portable. So things come up in life from one month to the next. You might have a flat tire or an illness. You might need, you might have a toothache, which could become a major medical issue if you don't deal with it now. Um, so the idea is that if people have unconditional cash, they use it how they need it, when they need it. And um, in our case, we're, we're looking to give folks $500 a month for 18 months um, in order for them to, to try to start working on some of their goals. And you piloted this program, is that right, Anne? We are getting ready to pilot it. We are all ready to go. We're um, in the process of trying to raise funds for the cash. But um, yes, we are. You're there. Christy, yeah. tell us tell us more that's about where the I, That's where I come in, Jason. Yeah, the um, philanthropic advisors, is that what we called you? <laughs> yes, yeah. we are really, really eager to bring resources to this project, uh, this to this pilot. We have now all of the component parts in, in place. We have um, you know, waivers from the state so that as uh, you know, this, with this in, uh, influx of income, uh, our, you know, those who are participating in the program will maintain their benefits. Uh, we have identified a population of uh, Arlington residents, households that are already in the county's housing grant program who are really in a great position uh, to um, 
you know, to, to benefit from this, uh, you know, from the direct cash transfer. And what we're looking to do is to really inspire uh, a broad spectrum of funders. We do need lead uh, funding from this. We're looking at institutional funders, uh, at, at corporate funding, and at funding from, from individuals uh, who, you know, who are committed to addressing the issue of economic mobility in our community, who want to stem the tide of displacement, and want to make an investment in people. Um, you know, we we have seen uh, pilots from around the country that have had uh, great success, and and Anne can probably uh, uh, speak to those. Uh, but we believe that we've crafted a, a model here for Arlington uh, that will really move the needle with the people who need it the most. Uh, and uh, so I'm, you know, in the process now of identifying people who are. Uh, interested in this work and engaging them in it and inviting them to partner with us. All right, so let me see if I can summarize this. I'm one of the 28,000 in Arlington and representative again of many counties across the country that are in this space because of the way our, our wealth gap is in 2021. So I'm one of the 28,000. Uh, I don't have a lot of money, I don't make a lot of money compared to where I live. And so there are government programs, maybe federal, maybe state, maybe county, that I'm able to partake in. But then as soon as they start making more money, those programs fade away in a much greater clip than the more money I've made. And so now what was getting taken care of by the federal government or the state government or the county government um, is now going away. And the extra money I make doesn't make up for that loss. That's sort of the cliff effect. And so what Arlington Community Foundation has done is you've negotiated with the state essentially and said, hey, if we can get some more funds to these folks, can you please not cut off their funding? And that negotiation has gone well, that's been settled. And now you're at this next stage of saying, all right, now let's build the institutional donations, you know, from a corporate sort of side of it. And of course, let's build up some of these individuals because we're right about ready to start taking the donations to distribute to the people that you've already identified who would qualify for this program and also now would not get hurt by receiving an extra few hundred bucks a month. Is that about right? You got it. I'm very well done. Okay, good. Good. Um, then I know this question goes to Christy. Uh, let's talk about people like me. Uh, how can professional financial advisors or maybe other advisors become a part of what the Arlington Community Foundation is doing? Well, we are really eager to work with advisors to support you in having conversations with your clients about their giving, their charitable giving and their involvement in the community. Um, you know, there have been studies done, the most notable one is by US Trust, and it talks about a, a disconnect, they survey high net worth individuals, and they, they survey financial advisors, and they ask um, whether the financial advisor is having a conversation about philanthropy, and advisors generally think they are, and high net worth individuals uh, 
you know, aren't certain that that conversation is, is happening. And um, what we are here to do as a community foundation is help bridge that gap. So that the question with, um, with a client, particularly those advisors, like many, I know you are, Jason, you yep. have an approach that's a values-based approach to looking at a financial plan. And, uh, you know, having that conversation with clients about how values connect to charitable giving and where that fits into an overall plan. So that's that's one thing professional advisors can do. They can initiate those conversations. And then, you know, the funny thing is that that uh, the high net worth individuals, and I think this is true of any, you know, individual, not just those who are deemed, you know, high net worth, uh, when they think about giving, uh, it's not so much the, you know, the how to do it, that is easily figured out by the experts, but, you know, they're looking for that guidance on the, the you know, how to connect their why uh, to an organization or to a cause. And that's where we can help at the, at the community foundation. And then some professional advisors work for larger firms that um, are, you know, that have, uh, particularly those in, in banking, uh, that have Community Reinvestment Act requirements or other uh, stated corporate social responsibility uh, programs. And certainly uh, this program is in strong alignment with the goals that many of those uh, larger financial institutions have for their uh, philanthropic involvement in the community. So, you know, I ask professional advisors to, to contemplate that philanthropic conversation with their clients and then uh, to, to also contemplate, depending on their, their firm, uh, what resources are there and, and to contemplate, um, you know, how they personally would like to be involved. Terrific. Initiate the conversations, check with your company to see if certainly if they're a bank, then they do have Community Reinvestment Act requirements from the 1977 law, the 1995 law, but regardless, they may just have socially responsible um, policies in place, and this is an easy place to find it, uh, to basically to, to get there and do it. Okay, that's helpful. And I wanna get to a question that came in the chat because it does speak to this, this idea of impact, which we are seeing with high net worth investors that we are working with. I know there's a book that came out recently, um, Generation Impact, right, Christy, I think you know about that one, um, where people who are Gen Xers and millennials are not just looking to give, they're looking for like, how was this gonna change the paradigm? And I think the question by Peter Lipset speaks just to this, is the target audience, I guess the 28,000 people we mentioned, uh, for those approaching the cliff, um, is this encouraging them to get past the cliff in a viable way? For example, is the goal that at the end of the 18 month program, the participants would no longer have need for government assistance? The answer, the short answer is no. 18 months is not enough time to reach what anyone would call self-sufficiency in Arlington, Virginia, when you're starting at um, $10 an hour or, you know, 37000 for a family of four or lower. So, um, but, but to the question, the question, so the target audience are those folks that are at a, on that lower end of the threshold who are just, once they start earning more, will start losing their benefits. So what, you know, as, as Christy said, what we've done is we've put a hold on that, that benefits loss with an agreement from the state. 
So they'll keep their Medicaid, they'll keep their food stamps, they'll keep their, um, hopefully their childcare. And um, they have housing grants from the county, which are locally controlled, so they won't lose that. And during those 18 months, we're gonna provide a lot of holistic supports that are voluntary, but hopefully people will see the value where they can look at, you know, here you've got this money, it's up to you, how do you spend it? You'll have it for 18 months. How do you wanna use it in the most powerful way possible for your individual family goals? Is it paying down debt? Is it saving for your child's college? Is it getting, you know, one man, and we do a lot of work around economic mobility through the foundation and um, I, I, I get to, observe many of these um, safety net groups working with individuals, a gentleman that's just worked so hard to overcome so many barriers and getting a commercial driver's license would be transformative in terms of getting um, a better career pathway and, and driving for uh, you know companies that have benefits and so forth. But it costs $3,500 to <laughs> certify wow. with a commercial driver's license. And so maybe that's what this cash is saved for and used. So um, for the 18 months, we hope that it really makes a difference and we intend to learn a lot. Um, we're gonna incentivize uh, getting uh, ask people questions. How are you doing? Learn, asking about their well-being, their sense of anxiety and stress, but also what are they, what are they seeing that they can do that they, can they drop their third job so they can read to their kids at night? I mean, what are the ways they're using this money? And we expect to learn a lot from them. And um, when those 18 months are over, believe me, I'm already losing sleep over that. But we hope that, you know, because of the protections from that we've gathered from the state, they won't have lost their benefits, but they will have had a chance to start really working on some goals. And um, as I said earlier, we're not the first um, community in the country now that's Doing this, it's a nationwide movement. We're part of a national community of practice on guaranteed income, and um, so we can. There are other communities that are just a couple of years ahead of us that we can, you know, start studying and looking. What are you doing as people sort of phase off of this unconditional cash? What seems noble to me, and not only about this program, but seemingly the history that you've had over the thirty years of essentially some charity work, philanthropic work uh, throughout your time in Arlington, you're not asking the government to change. You're, you're not looking for a partisan solution. You're looking to create opportunities so those who want to voluntarily assist can assist. Am I getting that right with the spirit of this program as well? Well, um, actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because there is a micro and a macro aspect to this, like everything. So there's certainly many people who are attacking the cliff effect through policy change. And it's, there are um, bills being written now at the national level. Um, there's, you know, you've heard a lot about the, the, the work of, you know, the, the stimulus packages and the, yeah. Current yeah, rest the un unemployment insurance. And yeah. Yeah. How do we, how do we take all of this and, and, and make it enduring and not pandemic focused? Um, this is this is something that could be transformative regardless of the pandemic. So there are lots of good people working on the policy side of this. The good part about these um, programs that we're doing uh, in Arlington is it gives it informs that policy. So we, you know, for example, we're we're um, using a special debit card 
for getting the cash to the people each month. Everything that we're doing, we're able to inform policy uh, and, and try to make this something that doesn't get cut off in 18 months. Got it. No, that's great. Um, and so considering that, obviously consumers can participate through you know, their voluntary donations. And is that available now? Or you said you're still in a stage where you're figuring it out? We are shovel ready. We're ready. You're shovel ready. You're We're ready shovel for ready. We're ready to go. Go to arlingtoncommunityfoundation.org, um, acf.org, I think it is. Maybe, am I right about that, that acronym? A-R-L-C-F.org. A-R, put that in the chat for us, Christy. Um, then, Anne, as someone who is experienced, as experienced as you are with, you know, essentially fighting the good fight, what can consumers do besides go to this URL and donate? What else can they do to participate in calling information, uh, working with policymakers? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, most fundamentally, I would say work on being less judgmental. We all are about um, people who are on public benefits and who find themselves in this bind, um, who literally are turning down a promotion for a shift supervisor at McDonald's and have to stay as a cashier because they'll lose their um, wow. housing. And then in, in, in terms of a more um, intellectual or cerebral pursuit, the I would read the book that I just mentioned earlier, The Sum of Us by Heather McGee. Um, on economic policy, and, and there's a tremendous amount in the um, out there now on um, guaranteed income. The Economic Security Project is the I think the the mothership of this information. So it's Economic Security Project, and they have all kind of resources and um, information about guaranteed income. And then on the policy side, ways people can get involved in breaking it down by what, where your locality is and that kind of thing. Economicsecurityproject.org, I guess? Yeah. Okay. I'll just throw that here in the chat so people can see it. Well, I'm gonna stop the share and uh, everyone can brace themselves for very large faces. Um, thank you so much for all of you who attended this and asked a few questions. That's always helpful. Uh, thank you, Anne Vor der Brug. Very good. Ah, okay. All right. Terrific. Thank you, Christy Cole. Before we leave, Christy, I want to start with you. Just a final commentary on what an individual can do uh, to stymie this economic effect where they live. I think that, that they can learn about the other people living in their community. Uh, they can seek out resources to do that through the Community Foundation, and there are over 750 community foundations all across this country. Um, and I think um, having a, um, an orientation to considering your own financial growth and financial capability and financial literacy and what that means across uh, someone's lifetime and uh, how we can help uh, provide those skills uh, to, to people, others in our community. Terrific. Learn about others. Learn about yourself is what I'm hearing from you. Yep. All right. And Anne, uh, your final thoughts on what folks can do. You started with some of it towards the end of the shared screen, but go right ahead. Something for us to take home with us. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we've said it all. Um, some of those um, initiatives that you listed 
at the beginning um, are local. Um, okay. Destination 2027 is an Arlington-based initiative looking at the disparities in what we call the social determinants of health, the things that are important to health and well-being and economic success. So that's a, 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 an interesting thing to look into. I would suggest you go on to that website as well. Terrific. Anne Christie, the Arlington Community Foundation, the, uh, the CASH program, the many, many other programs that the Arlington Community Foundation has for participating in your community as the other 749 or so community foundation programs have. Uh, everyone, please take a look at those, see what you can do, see what you can learn about, and reach out to Anne and Christy because I'll email all those who register their email addresses and you'll be able to follow up. Once again, Anne, Christy, thank you so very much. Thank you, Jamie. Excellent. With that, we'll balance your time, everyone. Bye.